Welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast, where we discuss the four races played on publichandicapper.com, the free contest that you should be playing every week. This is show number seven, April 26, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper and PH editor, Chris Larmy. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. One week until the Kentucky Derby, and we have some interesting races to talk about this week. Fantastic. Uh, before we get into the races, Chris, I just wanted to ask you, we uh, NTR Tour players, NHC Tour players, received an email last week from Holly Short asking whether we would prefer for the last three free contests that give away five spots to the NHC, whether we would prefer... The two-day format, which was done for the last contest, or the previous format, which was a one-day format, where uh, the advantage there would be that there may be l- more luck involved, but there were more tour points available because it was a one-day contest. Uh, are you privy to those results, and can you shed any light on what will happen going forward? Yes, I do know the results, so I will let you guess... Uh, what you think the results were in terms of what percentage um, voted for each of the two types of formats. Ooh, uh, I'm going to say 55 one day, 45 two day. That's almost right on. <laughs> it's a little closer than that, but it was close. It was slightly more for the one day than the two day. So it was basically split right down the middle. Um, okay. So it's nothing's finalized yet, but probably for the three remaining contests will alternate so that everybody gets a chance to play the format that they prefer. Uh, probably the next one would be the one day since we just did a two day and then a two day and then a one day. So that going- is, that is a fantastic solution. Well, I'm glad you're happy. At least you'll be happy for two of the three. Cause I know you weren't a real proponent of the two day format, but we did get lots of comments. Um, so we could understand when people preferred one over the other what it was that they preferred and the ones who liked the one day their two main reasons were uh first of all it was the tour points um they felt like they should get more tour points in that two-day format so next year when we can change the rules and if we continue that format we'll probably have it give away the same number of points as the one-day format, which would address that comment. And the other comment was they didn't like to have to play two contests back-to-back in the same weekend. That was just too much out of the weekend. So again, if we continue the two-day format next year, we'll probably split it you know, a Saturday and a Saturday rather than two consecutive days. But all that's just tentative. Um, 
the ones who preferred the two day all mainly was because they thought it was more skill and less luck. That was the main reason they liked it. Plus they liked having a variety of formats, not always having the same format every time. So that's interesting. Looks, yeah. So anyway, I, I, that's the plan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I did not write comments because I, I, you know, everybody knows how I felt about it. So I didn't feel like I needed to add comments. But I, I would agree with both those points. I, I, I like that you get more tour points uh, if you finish uh, first on the first day and then you finish 22nd on the second day, you get no points. And that just doesn't seem right. But uh, the other thing is, yeah, the, the two-day grind. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a girlfriend. She, she respects that I like to handicap and... She's willing to let me do it on Saturday, but to get to, to take Saturday and Sunday, that's a little hard. So, um, you know, that's that, those are my two cents. But uh, but it sounds like the solution that you're coming up with, which I know is still tentative, is uh, a, a, a fair solution. And um, I uh, congratulate the Players Committee and the NTRA for continuing to tweak the format uh, as, you know, as new issues come up. Yeah, well, that's what we try to do, and it's really hard to make everybody happy. It's not hard; it's impossible. But it, like many times, this one we ask the players; they kind of split down the middle, so it's really tough. That's why you got to keep getting the feedback and tweaking the formats, and you know, trying to give them some variety because it, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Never in this business. Okay, great, and. Uh... Today we have a special podcast because it's going to be our first pod with a guest handicapper. And our first guest is PH editor Illini Wes, also known as Henry Wessel. Henry is crushing the editors in the PH prep as he usually does. For some reason, he just he just always does well in that contest. There's one week left to go and he has a, co uh, a nice padding of a lead with, uh, I think, a $48 profit. Henry, how's it going? Very good. Uh, nice to be on, as they say in uh, Sports Talk Radio, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. So uh, glad to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, glad to have you. Uh, Henry, just a little background. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about you because they've seen you on the editor's page. <clears throat> but um, one question that I think should be asked of all horse-playing guests is, how did you get into the game of horse-playing? Sure. I uh, started at a very young age as my grandparents lived within a uh, walking distance of Arlington Park in Arlington Heights, Illinois. So I used to uh, walk over there with my dad to catch the last couple races on the weekend. Um, was a grade school kid handicapping horses. And then on uh, Saturday nights, we used to go to the uh, harness track in Maywood, Illinois and uh, handicap the harness horses. So I was the uh, one of the youngest handicappers sitting in the stands on a Saturday night uh, looking at the form for uh, harness horses. Um, always found that, uh, always liked math and uh, horses, the form was a uh, endless puzzle of numbers and so forth. So that it was the initial attraction and then just kind of grew as uh, I grew older as well. And then with the advent of uh, simulcast, you could start betting horses everywhere. So that just kind of made it... Uh, that much more uh, possibilities to look at. Fantastic. Uh, I think uh, a lot of us players feel the same way. We're, we, we like math. We like uh, mental challenges. Uh, I, 
another question that I think should also be asked of all guest players, especially successful ones, is what what do you, what tools do you use for handicapping, and what what are some of your um, main angles for selecting winners? Sure. For the most part, I'm pretty much uh, using the Brisnet past performances now. I just have grown comfortable with those. I'll occasionally uh, use the racing form as well. Um, I like certain segments of races, particularly allowance races, maiden special weights, uh, first-time starters, stuff like that. Um, I usually like to focus on horses that uh, I think will be running fast at the end. So um, sometimes that's a speed horse that just carries its speed throughout the race. Sometimes it's a uh, presser that just has a late kick that uh, can get going in the stretch. But usually I like horses that are finishing fast because um, those are usually ones that have a better chance to win. Um, but I like to focus on the young horses. I like to focus on stakes races. I uh, certainly could say that the uh, run-of-the-mill claiming horses, I, I don't have as much of a knack for that. But uh, uh, give me a field of 10 with uh, you know, 10 first-time starters. Uh, that's my kind of race. And you like, you like horses that are running faster at the end. How do you measure that? Do you look at time? Uh, lengths gained or like the late pace ratings on this uh, Typically, it's usually the late pace ratings, um, just to see that the horse has a uh, has some finish in them. Uh, there, there's other factors as well. Time, you know, sometimes plays a factor uh, depending on the distance and that sort of stuff. I mean, turf races, a lot of times everyone's finishing, but uh, you know, you can try to gauge some uh, separation of the horses when you look at those late pace figures. Okay, great. Uh, Chris, do you have any questions for Henry? Uh, yeah, I remember you got off to a really good start um, in this contest when you came up with Harvey Wallbanger in the Holy Bowl Stakes. He was almost a cap horse on PH, which is a pretty big price. I think the cap's like $62. So how'd you come up with that horse? Yeah, that was one of those horses where I had seen him run as a two-year-old in the fall he had uh started his made his first start at saratoga and finished second behind i think a nice chad brown horse at the big odds and then he had kind of wound his way through kentucky finally broke his maiden at the end of the year as distances stretched out um, he was working pretty fast for his return i thought the holy bull was filled with speed and uh, Harvey just looked like if there was a pace collapse, he was going to be the one to run him down. And it just so happened the uh, pace was fast, and uh, his odds for some reason got up to 30 to 1, and he closed with a rush up the rail and got a nice price on him. Fantastic. Uh, another horse that you picked that uh, came in at pretty good odds, Bourbon Resolution, was 18 to 1. I was with you on that day, and I, I hadn't looked at your picks, so I didn't know you had picked that horse. But then you mentioned that you liked him, and I started liking him. I was like, hey, he looks pretty good, but it was too late for me to do any kind of wagering with him. And you ended out doing well uh, uh, betting-wise as well as pH-wise. What, were, what was your angle on Bourbon Resolution? Yeah, Bourbon Resolution, he had... Um... He's somewhat of a lightly raced horse. He had uh, strung together a few decent efforts in his comeback, and he was facing a field in the, I think it was the Ben Ali, the Ben Ali, and it just, there wasn't a strong standout in the race. I think the favorite was uh, either nonetheless, or there was another uh, 
uh, Flame Away, which I'm not a big fan of Flame Away. I thought he had, when he had one, he got easy trips. And just uh, looking at the race, there was not a standout, and Bourbon looked like he was improving, had a decent prep, had some decent works, and just uh, had a style that he was going to be near the front. And I uh, didn't think anyone else in there was really uh, uh, a standout. And for some reason, his morning line odds of uh, 10 to 1 turned into 21, and he sat third around the uh, early pace and just kind of motored home and it's a nice uh, price. It's really unexpected price. Did not expect him to be that big of a price. All right. Well, uh, good to hear your uh, angles on those horses. And congratulations on doing so well in the PH prep. Enjoy it while you're in the lead because we're going to be gunning for you starting next week. I know. I've only got one more week. So. <laughs> All right. So let's get to this week's races. The first race is the Powder Break Stakes at Gulfstream Park. It's the 11th race. It's one mile on the turf for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Last year, we used this race on Public Handicapper, and it was won by Susie B at 15 to 1. She's in the race again this year. She's on the outside, 8 to 1 morning line. It looks like a wide-open race. What are you thinking, Henry? Um, Looking at this, I, you know, with a field of 12, certainly have a lot, lot to choose from in here. Uh, one thing to note, I did pull the uh, past performances early, and I think Paco Lopez was named on uh, Too Charming. Uh, I think he settled his uh, suspension yesterday, so he took 30 days and paid a fine. Uh, so it looks like Edgar Prado is riding uh, Too Charming, who looks like uh, the early pace in here. Um, I actually had a hard time with this race. I ended up uh, looking at two. I thought Nikki's cause um, had some attraction uh, coming from behind. She's coming from a trainer who I'm not familiar with, but he Rohan Crichton. He's a he's a stellar 15 for 46, so he's certainly uh, hitting on all cylinders. Uh, Nikki's seven for 15 at Gulfstream, so she's certainly uh, stepping up in class here. She was claimed for 30 and 16 a few starts back, but. Uh, she certainly has a chance from off the pace at big odds. Uh, but I think I'm going to end up with, on the outside, the uh, Tampa shipper, Crown and Sugar, who has done uh, nothing wrong, won five in a row, 11 for 23 overall. Antonio Gallardo ships over with the horse from Tampa. Uh, she's just been on a roll of late. She's kind of sitting right off the pace. I think she can get a nice trip here, uh, second or third. And even with the outside post, I think she can... Uh, kind of make her own trip and uh, looks like she can make it six in a row i think she's you know she's four to one nine to two she's probably that's probably the right price so that's i think uh who i'll who i will end up with in here okay uh interesting the horse is all the way on the outside carrying 124 but does have a lot of wins and does seem to be on a roll chris what are you thinking yeah i was uh I thought the 12 horse is probably the best horse in the race, but giving weight and that outside post and Gallardo, who never been one of my favorite riders, especially on the turf, I, I, I'm going to play against that horse. Although I do think it actually is the best horse in the race. I just don't think the race conditions are going to um, work in its favor. So I'm going to the opposite end of the starting gate. Um, I like Midnight Soiree the one horse who since she started routing on the turf just has run one good race after another and this is you know one of my favorite angles we've talked about on the pod before second off a layoff for a four-year-old 
when the debut race was good. In fact, this one was very good because the horse had some trouble in a much saltier race against Valedictorian, Proctor's Ledge, Adina Del Sor. Those horses would all be, you know, four to five in this race if they were going. And she, despite the trouble, ran a competitive race against that bunch right off the bench. And Lisa Lewis can train. She doesn't get a lot of really good horses, but she does well when she has a good horse. And uh, Luco Panici can ride okay. He's not my favorite rider, but he gets the rail here, and hopefully, um, you know, he doesn't do anything to hurt this horse's chances of winning. I don't think it'll be that far back because there's, but um, it's not going to be in the back of the pack, but it won't be near the front. It'll probably somewhere mid pack. So if, if we can get a trip on this horse, I think it's very live. And on the pH odds right now, um, I think the horse is like 25 to 1 or something, 27 to 1. So, um, you know, if I get 20 to 1 on this horse, that I'll definitely be playing in this race. Fantastic. I actually also like that horse. That's not my winner, but uh, it's a horse that I think has a big shot, and I actually... Uh, I've already didn't done my pH analysis and have not posted it yet, but will after the podcast. I also like that horse. It has improved in every race. Uh, if you look at the buyer, um, you know, 76, 78, 77, and then in its most recent, as a four-year-old, an 87 buyer uh, versus a pretty salty field. Uh, and another angle that's really interesting on this horse is the racing flow numbers. This is a product that I use, uh, racingflow.com. They, they uh, provide um, uh, bias information and, 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 and race flow information. So if uh, based on uh, historical data and distance and also the actual uh, flow of the race, they determine whether it was uh, a closer flow uh, a speed flow or a neutral flow and there's a you know there's a scale for that well the last three races that midnight soiree has run have all been very strong speed flows and she's been closing into all those races so she's probably going to get a double upgrade a bold upgrade from their uh from their uh what they they send out a daily upgrade downgrade report and She'll probably get the double upgrade. And at 15 to 1, I absolutely agree with you that she should be used. I'm actually going to go a, a slightly different direction and use Bitacora, who has always been solid, but is a new horse at 5. Um, if you look at her buyers, the three buyers this year are all 80-plus. So maybe um, that, that, like she's, done, she's run an 80-plus before, but this time... All three of her races are that way. She gets a four-pound weight break from Crown of Sugar, who she just finished second to, and she's on the inside of that horse. And the good posts for Bitacora will also help. The jock seems to have a good turf record. It's interesting that the trainers only use the jock one other time. I think it's Hiro Rendon. And, I, you know, I'm not sure why he's not using. I guess, you know, Paco Lopez, who's his go-to guy, is already on a different horse or at least was scheduled to be on a different horse. Um, but the, 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 this jockey, Rendon, 
has like a 12% win rate in the last year on the turf. So he, probably the trainer figures I got to start using him. And Peter Walder, who's the trainer, is three for nine at the meet. He excels at Gulfstream when the big boys are out of town. I'm not saying he's not a big boy himself, but his record is just average when Chad Brown and Todd Pletcher are in town. But when they're mostly out of town, like they are now, that's when Peter Walder really excels. Uh, the horse is eight to one morning line. And I think on public handicapper was pretty high price. I have to bring those odds up. And I see that uh, is also at eight to one. So eight to one, I'll feel good because the horse is uh, at the top of his game a little faster than Midnight Soiree. Lower odds than Midnight Soiree, but I'll be using them both. Yeah, I think this is a pretty wide open race, as you can tell. Just in the, the we're, we all we're all on different horses, so I was just going to toss a couple other long shots that I thought fit. Um, four Super Committee is another horse that I think will be a price that you know fits in here. Has a good recent workout. Had a little bit of trouble in its last race. Um, it's pretty solid this year. It's run three really good races. Had some trouble in every one of them, so with a clean trip, I think this horse could run really well at a price. And then Quebec on the outside is another one who, you know, fits in here, will be a price. Uh, it, it's been working really well. They put blinkers on in here, and I like it when they make an equipment change and it shows some improved workouts between races like this horse. It's a went to a new barn from Baltus out in California to uh, Debona in Florida. So, you know, that horse, either one of those, I think, could win too. And there's several others. This is a real, real fun race because they're very evenly matched and probably will all come down to who gets the better trip. Henry, uh, I noticed that you picked Crown of Sugar, who's actually 10 to 1 on public handicappers. So maybe she goes off higher than her morning line, which is about 4 to 1. Uh, does it concern you at all that she carries 124 and six or seven of these horses, eight of them actually, are carrying only 120? And being on the outside, does weight ever figure into your handicapping? Um, I guess I would pay attention to weight a little bit in here, but four pounds wouldn't sway me, I guess. I, I guess I would want more of a disparity. It looks like most of these are either 124 or 120, so... Um, in this case, it doesn't, but I wouldn't say I exclude it all the time. But uh, I don't know if it makes that much of a difference in here. I'd be more concerned, I guess, with the outside post. Yeah, to me, uh, the 124 really figures because she's so far the outside. If she was running more on the inside, like in the first four post positions, then I'd say, okay, the 124 is whatever. She's going to run her race. She looks like she's in form. But the 124 plus the outside post... And the morning line of four to one makes me want to bet against the source. Uh, the four pounds doesn't always make a difference, but I think that considering these horses are all pretty close in ability, that's when the weight makes more of a difference to me. What do you think, Chris? Um, yeah, I think in this was the kind of race where four pounds could make a difference, especially I, I, I kind of agree with Henry. I think the outside post is even more of a concern. But um, if that horse has to try a little harder on the turns because it's wide and it's carrying more weight, 
I think that could take its toll in a stretch and in a close race. You know, that could be a, all the difference between, you know, winning or running third or fourth. So, you know, I think you got to put factor everything in into the equation. Okay. Well, uh, so we'll wrap up Gulfstream and we're going to uh, round out the pH prep with three races from Golden Gate Fields, which is a rarity that we even have one race because even when they have a stakes race, there's usually only like six or seven horses in it. Uh, but today they managed to rally the troops and they've got good fields and pretty sizable fields. Uh, we'll start with the, uh, which race? What, what the, <laughs> it's the California, California Derby, Derby, right? California Derby. It's a mile and a 16th on synthetic. It's a hundred thousand uh, dollar race. It's for three-year-olds. And I think they must have moved this. I think they used to not have it the week before the Derby. It used to be earlier. Um, mile and a 16th. Chris, we'll let you start off with this one. Okay. Um, these um, r synthetic races, stakes races at Golden Gate Fields are always a little tricky because you usually attract a few horses from down south, some of which have never run on the synthetic. And, and in this case, you have that in Sparkyville, who is the morning line favorite, at, but has never run on synthetic. Uh, its only turf race was probably the worst race um, of its career. So I'm kind of anxious to play against that horse if it goes off as a favorite. It may take to the poly or the, the tapita surface and um, you know run a big race, but there's enough question marks th that I'm willing to take a shot against that horse. So that's kind of my first opinion. Uh, so who do I go with? The problem is after that they're all pretty close together. So my bias is always towards play the horse with the upside. And for me, that's Visitant or Visitant. I'm not sure how you pronounce that one. Um, but that horse has only made two starts. Um, both of its starts were about as fast as anything run on a synthetic track um, for any of the horses in this field. Um, and because it's you know lightly raced, it will probably get overlooked. This is its stakes debut and it changes barns. Uh, the one thing that makes me a little nervous is its trainer, I think, is the one who had his assistant caught on video camera sticking a needle in the neck of a horse on race day at Santa Anita. So he hasn't, he, he's kind of dropped out. I don't, they've been really hush hush about exactly what happened, but I think he's going to be suspended for a while. And this is one of the horses that were in his barn at Golden Gate. And they moved over to John Martin, who's a pretty good trainer too. So. You know, that change of barns makes me a little nervous, but the horse showed a lot of talent. And I think it could run a big race in here in its third start. And on public handicapper, it is 17 to 1. So if I got 17 to 1, definitely to me, that's the play in the race. If we're, uh, if we have any influence at all, Chris, because I'm also picking that horse, that horse is going down to 9 to 1 on public handicapper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think that you know early, the early odds are usually uh, a lot of people playing names and such. So I don't know how many people have uh, robustly handicapped the race and made their selections yet. 
So probably the horse is going to go down. It's not our influence. Um, let's see what Henry thinks. All right. So I am also against Sparkyville. I certainly uh, would like to play against him. I kind of question why they're shipping up north after he won a grade two down at Santa Anita and switching to the synthetic. So uh, certainly we'll look to play against him. I can see the attraction of Visitant, uh, certainly two for two, uh, lightly raced and so forth. I'm actually going to the outside in Ehrlich. With the uh, shipper from Aqueduct, he has four local works. Uh, he just broke his maiden, so I'm kind of looking for the uh, kind of light bulb angle that he finally won a race, and now he's ready to uh, take the next step. Um, I think he can get a pretty decent trip from the outside. Uh, maybe forwardly placed, and uh, at seven to two, he'll probably be the, the third choice or so. So I think he will be my top pick, but certainly uh, Visitat would be on my exotic tickets because I actually think he uh, looks set up for a good race as well. All right. Uh, one thing I'm going to say, the one reason why I really like Golden Gate and I've had a lot of success there is because people, it doesn't seem like people play the synthetic the right way and 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 what, what i mean by that is when horses don't run well on synthetic or they they just haven't been proven on synthetic people bet them anyway and uh the the three horses that are the fastest horses on other surfaces are going to be the favorites in this race and that's kingly sparkyville and Ehrlich. and i don't like any of them uh kingly was a low price in his last race. He did finish second, but he ran a number that was not as fast as many of these horses. And he's going to get played again. And I don't understand why the horse hasn't run since that last race. It's why would Baffert, you know, keep this horse on the sidelines? I, I, I just, I just don't get it. I think he's the, you know, possibly the worst favorite of the day. Sparkyville doesn't make any sense. Uh, there's no reason to think that the horse is going to run well on synthetic since it ran one two-turn turf race and did horribly and it's also going to be a low price and then Ehrlich is he hasn't proven that he can't run on this surface but the thing I don't like about him is that his two best races were on wet tracks and whether it rains or not the synthetic will not be wet so I'm going to also with Chris go with Visitant for uh, the same reasons he stated. I will add that aside from winning his first two races, he also galloped out best in that race. So he not only won by a length or so, but then uh, extended that lead on the gallop out. And uh, an interesting angle on Visitant, uh, his mother was two for three on the synth. His sire, Ghost Zapper, is not really known as a synth sire but he actually hits, his progeny hit at a higher percent on synth than any other surface, 20%. So if any horse is gonna love the synthetic and he's already two for two on it, it's Visitant. Uh, just one, one thing on the, uh, the comment you made on Kingley. Um, I think part of the reason why he hasn't run and why you see a few horses in this race is, remember Santa Anita was closed for like a month and um, they lost a lot of races and there might've been a race that they would have run him in that, that ended up getting wiped off the condition book. Um, and that might be why Sparkyville is here too. So it could just be 
this is these horses are here because Santa Anita hasn't written any races for them to run in. So that's just something to keep in mind, which again to me is a negative. Doesn't mean that they want to be here. It's just a, kind of a default um, placement. I'm just speculating. I don't know that for a fact, but oh, that's um, valid. Th- valid. <laughs> All right, uh, great. So that wraps up the California Derby. The next race is the San Francisco Mile, which is a mile on the turf. It's worth two hundred fifty thousand. It's a Grade Three for three-year-olds and up. Uh, it used to, I believe, this race used to be a Grade One, if not a Grade One, at least a Grade Two. So it's been uh, reduced in status over the years, but it's still always a great race. Henry, why don't you start us off with this one? Sure. This. Uh... Certainly attracts some few uh, number of runners from down south. Uh, River Boyne making another start here, going uh, trying to reclaim his form. I'm actually against him in here. He draws outside. Uh, he's finished fourth in his two races this year. So um, he was a monster last year, but um, he hasn't shown that same uh, form this year. So I'm willing to toss him, uh, given his low odds in the outside post. Um, I'm always attracted to the Euro shipper, so Wentwood uh, comes over from Ireland. Uh, I did take a look at his last race at Cork, which went a mile and a quarter. Um, he won the race, but he really just kind of grinded along, and then uh, there were some closers flying on the outside that he just managed to hold off. So I find it somewhat interesting that he's shipping all the way over here for a, uh, I think this is a $200,000, $250,000 race. So uh, you always got to watch the Dermot Welds, but I'm willing to go against this one in here. Um, so after looking at the rest of the field, I ended up, uh, I think I'm going with Bowie's hero. So he's probably going to be two, three to one. So I may be taking some chalk in here, but uh, he's making his comeback race. He's six for 11 at the distance. Uh, he's been working steadily. Um, I think he should be able to work out a decent trip in here. And I'm just not sold on the uh, rest of the field in here. So I'm going to end up with uh, the inside horse, Bowie's hero. All right. Uh, um, interesting that horse is coming off a layoff, and Phil D'Amato is solid off a layoff. The workouts are a little notably slow. I, he, he's not, not really a, a fast workhorse, but I'm a little surprised that you're taking him, considering that he's been running you know, five furlongs in, in 104. Um, any any, uh, any well, comment they- on that? Yeah, if you look at his works, all of his works have been on the uh, training track at Santa Anita, which I think is probably a little deeper and a little slower. So I think they've kept him off the main track. Um, so all of his works have been, you know, every seven, eight days. So they've been consistent. Um, so I'm willing to forgive the slowness a little bit because I think the surface there probably plays slow. Um, I I just think that he's... Uh, faced a lot better he's been in grade one grade two company and uh while there is some concern off the layoff i i just think he's the best horse in here so i'm, I'm willing to uh take him at that price here okay chris uh what's your angle on this race well um the two favorites i think are are both solid i'm not you know, dying to play against him bowie's hero you know, he's a closing turf router, so the fact is his workouts, final times aren't fast, I wouldn't factor that in, unless he typically works real fast. To me, that's not a big deal. This horse, though, it just runs his race every time, and he does have a trainer that's 
and get them ready. And the easiest race to get a horse ready for off a layoff is a turf route, because especially if you have a closer, because they don't have to run that fast for most of the race. They really don't kick it in until the end. So, you know, off the layoff, I think that horse is still the one to beat, especially since he drew the rail and he doesn't have to give weight to any of these horses and he's better than most of them. So, you know, I wouldn't talk Henry out of that play. Um, public handicapper, they have him at five to one. You know, at five to one, I definitely would talk him off. I don't think he'll get that, but I think River Boyne will be the big favorite in here. And um, that horse, I think, is also legit. The, the post won't help it, but I mean, that last race was a lot better than it looked. Bejarano just gave the horse a horribly overconfident ride. He had it parked like in the five path all the way around the track. I mean, he got the horse beat when he was the best horse of the race. So I wouldn't hold that race against him. And notice they got they have a new rider today, which is probably a good move. And Pratt's a much better turf rider than Bejarano. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he can work a trip from the outside post. So those two, I think really are solid. They're definitely better than any of the other horses in the race. But there is one horse, I think, that can compete with them, um, even if they run the race, and that's Grecian Fire, who's um, uh, making set his second start off a layoff. And this is a horse that basically can run on turf, synth, dirt, sprint, route. I mean, this is a, he just runs his race, doesn't matter what surface, what distance? Um, now, he, I'm sure that last race was probably a prep for this. Um, he's won on the Golden Gate turf before. He's won on the Golden Gate synth before. Um, it, you know, I think he, it's Hollendorfer second off a layoff in a race he probably targeted. Um, and his best race is is close enough to beat Bowie's Hero and River Boyne. Um, so to me, of the remaining horses... He's clearly the one to play if you get anything near that 15 to one morning line. Yeah, and he's currently 12 to one. I was afraid you were going to pick that horse, Chris, because I am all over Grecian Fire. I, I love the horse, and I'm going to be betting it aggressively in this race. I will back it up with uh, Exactas. I think he's going to get at least second, and I will have Exactas with. Bowie's Hero and um, River Boyne on top. But I just love the way Grecian Fire is coming into this race. He's only one for nine on turf, but he's always been pretty fast on turf. And in his last turf race, he was second at 11 to one to Fly to Mars, who since then has run second in graded stakes twice. And uh, in that race, he beat such notables as Ashley Love Sugar, What a View. They they weren't like they weren't like really well bet. So they were a little bit off form, but it was a quality race, and that was his last race on turf. He's run speed figures that are as fast as the two favorites, and I I love the I, I just I love that last race. Uh, it was a clearly a prep. Um, since then he. Like nine days after that race, he ran the fastest workout that was at least on the page that I saw. Um, it's probably tied for his fastest workout ever, a 48 and one, four furlong race, second out of 99 horses. 
they've taken it easy with him since because I guess between that prep and that strong workout, they think he's ready. And I, I read that Jer Jerry Hollendorfer said that this horse deserves a chance in this race. Uh, so he's 15 to one morning line. He's only 11 to one on public handicapper. But so, you know, maybe he'll maybe he'll go off as low as 10 to one. But I think he's got a terrific shot and I will be betting it and betting it aggressively. Um, one other note that I want to add to River Boyne, who uh, you guys, uh, uh, well, at least Chris, Chris respects, uh, he, he shows his fastest five furlong workout in a long time since his last race. And the other thing is uh, it's the racing flow angle where not only was he wide in that race, but it was won by the horse on the lead or uh, close to the lead in Ohio. And the racing flow people have that as a, a speed flow race. So he will likely get an upgrade going into this race. And an upgrade doesn't necessarily mean that the horse is going to win when they, when they do an upgrade. But just the fact that he finished fourth against the speed flow, it, it, the, the idea is that the race was better than it looks. So he's, he's a major contender. There's no reason to think that he's not going to run well in this race. Uh, it is an outside post, but he can drop back. So he's, you know, he doesn't have to be near the lead. He does not necessarily going to get hung wide. Um, so those are my angles on the race. Uh, besides the, the, those three, I don't really have anything else. Um, to you guys. <laughs> well, just one thing on the post draw kind of contrast River Boyne to uh, the, I can't remember the horse's name, the horse Henry liked um, at Gulfstream. Um, in this race, you probably have the best rider on a horse on the 10 hole that, that like, can, like you said, drops back. So there's probably a good chance that Flavian Pratt can work out a decent trip. Whereas in the other one, you had what I consider to be not a great turf rider. I know he wins a lot of races at at Tampa Bay, but I have never figured out how he wins race on turf because he just constantly gives horses, puts them in the wrong place. But, you know, so I think you got to factor the rider and running style in when you're looking at the post position. In this case, you know, I think um, River Boyne has a better chance to overcome that post than uh, some other horses might in the same situation. And, and like you said, just to reinforce, his last two races were in races where the pace was really slow and that sort of compromised his chances. Um, so, you know, I think he's, he and he's the, he and Bowie's hero are definitely the best two horses. Um, but I think Grecian fires just a tad below those and he might get the better trip. And, and he's the one that was really pointed for this race. So I think he's the bet. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know you linked Chris linked. Uh, he's at Derby fifteen ninety two on Twitter. He linked to a New York Times article who interviewed the guy who's uh, dominating Jeopardy right now, and that guy uh, I forget his name, but he he is a sports better, a known sports better in Las Vegas who also happens to know a heck of a lot of trivia, and. He the, the article talks asks him about his strategy and his main strategy is that he goes for the big bucks as early as he can because then he has bankroll. And I think it that strategy kind of applies to this race because Grecian Fire 
he, he's not necessarily any faster than the favorites, but he's about as fast and he's going to be 10 to 15 to one. And this is where we, you're getting an overlay based on his chances. I think, um, you know, some people may disagree that he's, uh, you know, he doesn't really have a chance since he's only one for nine on the turf. But uh, based on my handicapping, he's got just as much of a chance. And when I see a horse like this that has just as much of a chance as the favorites and they're 10 to 15 to one, that's when you not only bet it, but you increase your bet because you're getting better value than you normally would. And if you respect the favorite, you could always play an exacta with him underneath. So, which is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do with both those favorites, and they it's, the exacta should at least cover. If if uh, if I'm wrong about Grecian Fire winning the race, the exacta, I will bet enough to at least cover whatever my win bet is, which it'll be at least a hundred bucks to win. And uh, you know, the higher the odds, the more I'll be betting. I like it. All right, uh, so let's go to our last race, which is the 12th race at Golden Gate. It's the Camilla Urso Stakes. Five furlongs on turf for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. $75,000 purse. Henry, um, well, actually, I started with you last race, so we'll start with Chris on this one. Well, this race, I thought, of the four we talk about today, this one came up pretty chalky. Um, to me, the three morning line favorites are clearly the three best horses in the race. So, but I think of the three, the best is Alaford Bay who drew the rail. Um, it will be coming from a little bit off the pace probably, but I think the pace will be solid. I'm always a little nervous about not playing a horse that will be on or pressing the lead at five furlongs. But, you know, this horse to me has run well, um, you know, on scent and dirt. He has one race on turf that wasn't very good, but that was going two turns, and this horse is definitely a sprinter. And he's another one that's making, my, you know, my favorite second off a layoff um, play. And, you know, I just think it sets up for him really nicely, uh I don't know if I'll bet this race because he's seven to two on the morning line. And I think the two favorites are also strong. So I don't see a lot of prices in the exotics or the wind pool. So um, that's about all I have for this race is that I, I think the three favorites are tough. And of the three, I think the most playable is the one horse, Oliver Bay. All right. Um, definitely a, a contender. I don't really have a counterpoint yet. I, I might in a minute. Uh, Henry, what are your thoughts on this race? Sure. I was also on Alford Bay to start. Obviously, she is a uh, win machine, winning uh, seven of eight on fast tracks. Um, a little bit concerned about uh, not having success on the turf, but she's only tried it once. And like Chris said, that was at a distance. Um, so after some thought, I do think there's a lot of pace in here. I'm willing to go with a... Uh, deep closer or a deeper closer i'm gonna go with vanilla parfait the two horse who i think uh has some success at the five furlong distance i think she will be running late at the end she obviously is going to have to work out a trip at the five furlongs but i think if you look at some of the other runners in here 
they're all going to be gunning fast early. And if uh, they go too fast early, uh, maybe she can save some ground on the rail and come running late and strike at a big price to uh, cap off the uh, public handicapper prep with a nice uh, double-digit odds winner here. All right. Uh, I like that pick, Henry. In fact, that horse I have in second. The horse that I'm actually going with is a little bit slower than these, but I think is just totally on right now. And that is the six. I'm a happy cat. Uh, she She's two for her last three. Uh, I, I will note that she has she hates dirt. She always did hate dirt, and that's where most of her races were. Uh, once she got on synthetic, her very first synthetic race as a three-year-old, <clears throat> she won at Golden Gate. Uh, she's two for three in her last three races. As a four-year-old, she's much faster than she was before. And what's most important about this race, not only is she on, but she has superior time form early pace figures. And I, I think there's going to be a scramble for the lead, but I think that maybe one of the horses on the inside is going to is going to you know break well and like and and be on her inside and she's going to be too wide the whole way and then she's just going to put them away and she's going to win this race because she's totally on right now uh her last workout was a sizzler workout four furlongs at 47.2 second best of 64 at the distance at golden gate she gets a little weight break from Alford Bay and SY Sky, who will be two of the favorites. And, I, you know, I, even though her final figs have not shown, they haven't shown, they, they don't look, she doesn't look faster than these horses. I think she, you know, between her early pace figures and the, the shape of the race, I think she's going to get out there and maybe one horse will be on her inside. And I think that's the ideal scenario. But even if she just busts out and takes the lead, she can win on the lead. She can win on the lead. She can win from just off. So uh, even though she is slower than these horses, I think she's ready to run the race of her life as a young four-year-old. And I will be playing this one as well. And I will also do an exacto box with Vanilla Parfait because I think that after that scramble, uh, I'm a happy cat is going to, She's going to put those horses away, and the horses that she puts away are going to fade. Uh, I will put a little bit on S.Y. Sky, who has really great figures, but S.Y. Sky has never won at the distance, uh, dirt or turf. Does have two seconds, is definitely a competitor. I don't really like Al Aliford Bay. Uh, I, I think she's going to get it's a discouraged there on the inside. And her best race was a big dirt number as uh, you know as a four-year-old in, in her last year. Uh, I, I believe that that race affected her negatively. And even though she ran a good figure in her return race, she did lose. She came in third as the heavy favorite. And I, I think that's a, a portending uh, further um, non-success, especially on the turf where she's already 0 for 1. So she's 0 for 1 on the turf. She's only 1 for 5 on the synthetic. She's 7 for 8 on fast dirt, uh, where she ran that giant figure on November 21st. And she carries extra weight. So so I'm, a, I'm against that horse. Uh, 
you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, any any uh, counterpoint, you guys? Uh, just of you know, you liked I'm a Happy Cat, and Henry liked Vanilla Parfait. To me, I much prefer Vanilla Parfait to ha- I'm a Happy Cat because I agree with Henry. The race shape is going to to favor the horses coming from out of it. And, the, and I, I don't like I'm a happy cat because at least based on all the pace numbers I have, she's not going to be close to the lead. I mean, she's not as fast as several others in here. So she's going to have to work a trip behind a hot pace. And I just don't see that happening in here. Um, I think the horse is solid, but, um, you know, she's never run on turf either. Um, I don't know. I'm just not nearly as high and I'm a happy cat. But Vanilla Parfait, I can see the... Um, the argument from a state a pace standpoint um but to me you know horses like go on mary and and pernicus and spring heat are all going to be out there gunning for the lead and they're all quicker than i'm a happy cat i'm a happy cat had an ideal setup last time because it she got to the lead an easy lead in a race with no pace um but that's not going to happen this in this race i don't see that happening anyway all right. Uh, I, I will counterpoint uh, on the turf. I'm a happy cat. Has not run on the turf, but uh, definitely shows a strong preference for synth where she's three for five. And she hasn't run on turf, but her mother won one race on turf. One of her siblings won on turf. And more important, her sire, Smiling Tiger, is a turf uh, progeny machine. His uh, his children are winning at 18% on the turf and remarkably at 25% first-time turf. So so I'm not worried about the distance between the combination of uh, synthetic success and some turf breeding there. Uh, I, I agree with you that like, this is really possible that Go On Mary is going to be on her inside. I, I think she's more comfortable with horses on her inside anyway. And in, on February 24th, she ran a 120 uh, first call time form pace figure and was third. And I kind of I can see that happening in this race. She ended up first in that race. So, you know, I, I, I think there's going to be a scramble for the lead. She doesn't have to have the lead. And in fact, I don't want her to have the lead. But if she does have the lead, good, because she can also win on the lead. Uh, She's, you know, that's, that's my case for her, but it's true. She, you know, her figures are a little bit slower and she is a question mark on turf. And for that reason, I will demand a price. All right. Well, it sounds like, sounds like that's it. Um, I'm a happy cat is five to one on public handicapper. So she is getting played. Uh, for whatever reason, it could just be the cat contingent on public <laughs> handicapper. <laughs> a lot uh, of happy bet, cat lovers. Yeah. Bet on any cat horse. Uh, if I'm a happy cat was running in the Kentucky Derby, she would be six to one. Uh, uh, all right. So I think that about wraps it up. Um, I want to thank Henry for being our first guest on the public handicapper uh, podcast. I want to remind all listeners to not forget to sign up for the NHC tour if you haven't already, because you need to sign up by the beginning of the Public Handicapper Challenge, which is May 3rd. You have till the end of the day, May 3rd, 
to sign up. But you, uh, as long as you're signed up for the NHCA Tour and Public Handicapper by uh, May 3rd, uh, actually, you could be on the NHC Tour and sign up for Public Handicapper later. But um, if you aren't an NHC Tour member right now, you need to sign up and, uh, and, and, and do that now so that you are eligible to win the free, uh, the free contest that we have. And that not only makes you eligible for our contest, but also three other uh, free contests that will be giving away five seats each. Plus, Del Mar has two free contests that will be giving away two seats each. And those are the contests where you pick one horse per day for the entire meet. And whoever has the best bankroll uh, wins that contest. Uh, two people go to the NAC. So there's 20 free seats up for grabs. All You get access to all those seats. You know, the, the, the opportunity to win those seats it's pretty much a no-brainer. Do that by Kentucky Oaks Day, and, and good luck at the end of this contest. Thanks for joining us, and may you crush the mandatory payout pick six at Golden Gate. Cheers. <laughs>